0: Welcome to Citizen Detective UK. You can get your free guide from citizendetective.uk. So this week, we are now into our regular format, which is a study of a solved or an unsolved cold case, a book review, and a couple of factoids to lighten the mood, because, as we all know, true crime can get pretty, pretty scary sometimes. So our first factoid of the week is to do with the Moore's Murders. Because the Moors murderers took their victims alive to the Moors as willing passengers in a car or van, DNA profiling would have quickly linked Pauline Reed, Keith Bennett and John Kilbride to Hindley and Brady. Police would not have needed to wait 20 years for their confessions, and possibly all of the remains might have been found back in 1965. OK, so our true crime case this week is is one that's close to my heart, close to where I used to live and is an important chapter in my story on the road to becoming a fan of true crime. This relates to a nine-year-old boy called Christopher Laverack who lived in Hull, in East Hull, until the 1980s when his body was found submerged in water on the 11th of March 1984. He had been missing for a couple of days and a huge search had been undertaken by police and volunteers from the public. However, it took 28 years to confirm the identity of Christopher Lavrak's killer, and I understand a new TV documentary is to be shown in the next few months. For me, as an eight-year-old when Christopher went missing, so just a year younger than him, 28 years seemed like an eternity. And even though I didn't know any of the family or any of his friends, none of my friends knew any of his friends, it certainly affected the whole city. I vividly remember police taking carpet samples from inside our house after we'd had a new lounge carpet fitted because Christopher was found in a carpet bag and there were carpet strands inside the bag. Thankfully, we were ruled out of any involvement as were all the other countless customers who had new carpets that year from whole carpet shops. But this strange and yet memorable detail shows just how wide the ripples a terrible child murder can spread. The police believed Christopher's uncle was the killer from very early on but they had to rule out everybody else and they failed to bring charges through lack of evidence. Eventually, although sadly not before the uncle had molested other boys and been sent to prison for it in 2001, the police reopened the Laverac case and used new leads and new techniques to prove the connection. Police had enough to go on ...to arrest the uncle, Melvin Reed, in 2006... ...but the Crown Prosecution Service were not convinced by the evidence at that time... ...and Reed died in prison in 2008. Later on, careful analysis with new techniques... ...managed to link pollen found on a brick with Christopher's body with pollen in the garden of Uncle Melvin. So yes, he knew the game was up when the police arrested him. Yes, he spent many years in prison. And yes, Christopher's family accepted that Reed was the killer. But Melvin Reed was never officially convicted of his most grotesque crime, the murder of Christopher Laverack. Thanks, Paul. So that's a good news story, in a way, if there ever is a good news story in true crime. The murderer was found, although slightly too late to convict him and prove it beyond a reasonable doubt in front of a jury of his peers. The book review this week is an absolutely excellent little book. It's a few years old now, but it's absolutely relevant and worth reading. It's written by the journalist Monica Weller and it's called Injured Parties from the History Press. It's a study of the unsolved murder of Dr. Helen Davidson from 1966, not very far away from where the Citizen Detective Studio is, it's in Amersham in Buckinghamshire, and Monica does solve the mystery, which itself is unusual in cold cases, but I'm not going to spoil anything for you. The book's very readable, it's well researched, and the idea for it came from a publicity event for one of Monica's earlier books about Ruth Ellis the last woman to be hanged in Britain. And Ruth Ellis also had local connections to Amersham. And before you start thinking that Amersham is sounding like Midsummer Murders, be aware that very many of the outdoor locations in Midsummer Murders are actually filmed in Amersham. Wasn't meant to be a factoid. So Dr. Helen Davidson was a highly respected local GP who married later in life to a man much older than herself, Now, it was either 20 years or 30 years older, I can't quite remember now. Nothing too remarkable, perhaps, by the norms of 2020 society, but her marriage and choice of husband raised many eyebrows at the time. She went missing one November afternoon in 1966, and her body was found in woods nearby the following day. And that's when things get strange. In those days, the days before Thames Valley Police, Buckinghamshire Police saw very few murders, and the process was to bring in a detective from Scotland Yard in London to help out. The Metropolitan Police would also cover the costs, which was great news to cash strapped forces even back then. Sadly, we see the kind of attitude familiar to students of the White House farm murders in that the consulting detective of Scotland Yard leapt to certain conclusions about the case which could never be shifted, even in the face of mounting contradictory evidence. Some years later, after the local forces had been forcibly merged and Thames Valley Police came into existence, they lost all the evidence, although they won't admit to it. And as you might imagine, all the officers have retired, most of them have died, and there are very few of Helen Davidson's family around as she did not have children, and her husband died just a few short years later. Monica Weller, therefore, worked without any assistance from the police formally, although she was very much helped by the late Tony Dale, one of the detectives who worked on the case at the time, and stayed in touch with it, helping newspapers like the Bucks Free Press with anniversary appeals as recently as 2006. He died on Boxing Day in 2016, just over 50 years after the murder. For me, this most compelling of cold cases stands out, because it documents the late 1960s society so well. It was a time when, in England at least, doctors and police officers had vast amounts of power that they did not always use wisely or fairly. That era, that history has thankfully changed, although people will disagree how much it has changed. It seems that Helen Davidson had one or two unfortunate episodes in the years leading to her murder, which were hushed up partly by the police, partly by others, and it further seems that many people were very keen to hush up the murder as well. Now, nobody likes a murder on the doorstep, but pretty much every right-thinking person wants it to be solved, not least in case the killer strikes again. But the case has never been officially resolved, and with the passing of Tony Dale, and the passing of the man Monica Weller believes killed Dr Davidson, there is zero chance of a prosecution arising from this sad series of events. It's a strongly recommended read. I absolutely loved it. Of course, there's the local connection for me, which always helps. But I do believe that any true crime fan will love this book. It is called Injured Parties. It's by Monica Weller, and it's published by the History Press. And just to lighten the mood before we say goodbye to you this week, a factoid. There were five victims of the Moors murderers. The first three were taken alive to the Moors and murdered out of the view of passing cars. But the final two victims were killed at the brand new home of Myra and her grandmother in Hattersley, near Manchester. Polythene sheeting was used to protect the car, used to transport the bodies from blood. This sheeting was stolen from the company where Hindley and Brady worked together for many years, called Millwoods. Millwards is no longer trading. Okay, that's all we've got for you this week on Citizen Detective. Hope you're enjoying the new format. Hope you're enjoying the show. And don't forget, if you want to get involved in some online research and cold case research yourself, there are some ground rules. They're on the website and also in a free short guide I've put together with some of my top tips for researching cold cases on the internet. You can get that from citizendetective.uk. And we'll see you next time on Citizen Detective UK.